0: Welcome to the Wilco podcast. Worship Leaders Collective is a worship community of over 32,000 worship leaders from 99 countries around the world. You can check us out online at worshipleaderscollective.com or type in Worship Leaders Collective on Facebook to get connected for free today. Our hope is to help equip you with the tools and resources you need so that you can be who God's called you to be and do what he's called you to do. You've been called for such a time as this. Listen up as we dive into another episode of the Wilco podcast.
1: Hey y'all, welcome to the Wilco podcast. My name is Jenny McGrew. We have an exciting episode for you today today. It's a part two of a part one on prophetic worship with Dustin Smith. Some of you might have been in the room uh, for a monthly Wilco Grow Lab when Dustin had laid an extraordinary foundation in the area of prophetic worship. That was the part one. Today's episode is a part two of that, and today's episode is much more practical. So if you're listening to today's episode... Um, listen to it, and then we encourage you to go back and listen to the part one, just so that you're getting that foundation in the area of prophetic worship in your life. Or you might just want to press pause, go listen to the part one, and then come back and and finish up with this episode. But we believe that today's episode is going to encourage you, it's going to equip you, it's going to inspire you, and it's going to arm you to sing those prophetic songs that God's called you to sing, to write those prophetic songs that God has called you to declare. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14.1, he said this, he said, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. So are you ready? Let's stay tuned. Uh, let's prepare our hearts for what the Spirit of God wants to say to us today. We love you guys. We'll get right to it, Dustin. I was telling everyone that one of the things that I really love about you and something that always just really strikes me when I hear you talk or just watch you minister is, you know, when you look at the fivefold ministry, you know, the fivefold ministry gifts in the Bible, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Often when you see someone, they'll flow in one really strong, maybe two, probably not three, but maybe. But I often see you working in the five, maybe obviously not all five at once, but you're, you're an anomaly in the body of Christ. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this to you, um, but really grateful for um, the gifts that you carry and how you steward your gifts and your heart to use, you know, to use those gifts. And um, you have an extraordinary capacity, um, but I know with extraordinary capacity is an extraordinary heart of love. Um, so you're a trusted voice here and uh, love your heart and um, yeah, and just your your heart, I think to bring understanding to the area of prophecy. I think one of the reasons why it's been so lacking in churches in, in the body of Christ is there hasn't been um, teaching on it, proper teaching on it. Um, people don't know the word. Um, people haven't been around perhaps that culture to be you know nurtured in that. Uh, if you guys have ever been to Dustin's church or if you ever go to Nashville, I'd encourage you just head a little south of Nashville Thompson Station, and uh, you'll be really blessed by their church and the culture that not only have they created, but I think culture is always in motion in the culture that they're creating. It's a real family, um, strong family prophetic culture that they have going, and um, there's no junior Holy Spirit, um, that the Holy Spirit, you can just see an operation from the babies all the way up to those who are a hundred, if I can say it like that. And uh, so it's very generational and I uh, appreciate you, Dustin. So I'm going to let you take the floor and, um, you go for it.
2: Wow, man, that was a great, thanks for that introduction. I feel way better about myself than <laughs> I did coming in. So <laughs> that was actually pretty amazing. I, I need you, if you could just record something for me I'm just going to listen to it every morning before I get up and like, yeah. You are an encourager. That is a gift in the body. It's funny. Cause I used to that, you know, the Bible says that encouragement is a, there's a gift of encouragement. Like, and, and I always thought like, what a weenie gift. Like I, I want a powerful gift. You know what I mean? Like I'd love to you know, I want a gift of power, not a gift of like encouragement. I thought of like pat somebody on the back, like, good job, buddy. You know? And I was like, I'd rather somebody else do that. And then one day, I was kind of actually making fun of it, it being silly and um and i felt the lord like tell me that it's actually one of the greatest gifts you could ever have because discouragement means the loss of courage and um actually my father-in-law told me one time capital d if there's a capital d it's discouragement this is actually uh, he was talking about in the, I want to say in the Greek, it's like, it means, um, God of the underworld, dis. so disassociation means the enemy took association from you. Discouragement means the enemy took courage from you, you know, disavowed means he, the enemy took a vow from you. And so in this, I realized, you know, I felt the Lord say like, um, encouragement is one of the most powerful things you can do because you put courage back in people like that is what a what a gift you know what i mean and so like if you come in and you kind of feel tired and then somebody comes in and they just build you up and they just and then all of a sudden you're like yeah yeah i'm taking on that giant today baby you know let's go and um and so thanks for doing that especially right before i speak like i was already feeling pretty good about this but man i'm like let's go so No, I actually love what you're saying because that fivefold ministry thing is really interesting. I think Paul says, um, and this is great for the prophetic and what we're talking about today. Paul says, I become all things to all people that I might win some. And he doesn't say I become all things, all people that I might win all. He says, this is like, I understand it's not going to, and everybody's I'm not going to win everybody. But I also understand, like, if I can become an evangelist in a minute that needs it and not just lean towards what I like, then I'm going to be a lot more available to the voice of God speaking through me. If I have filters on that, I can only facilitate one way because I am the apostle, you know, and it doesn't mean that I don't have a function that probably that I am stronger in, um, but it does mean like. You know, honestly, like I always fought this idea of being a pastor, um, mostly because of the picture of pastor that was given to me and also because of the abuse that I'd seen in the church. And one of the very first Sundays I stood up as the pastor of hope you see, um, I asked the question of about a hundred people. Can you write down the top five things that you feel a pastor should be? And believe it or not, out of a hundred people, writing down five hundred or five answers, which would have been 500 answers. I got a thousand answers, <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody has a different thing of what they think a pastor is or should be. But if I'm not limited by the title, I'm actually going to be engaged by the function. Mm-hmm. So the power of this is, is you are called to function as mothers and fathers, as sons and daughters. And in that there becomes, it's actually an identity issue you know, um, for those of you who have been afraid of prophecy, uh, I think the very first thing I have to look at is first Corinthians 14. And this is, this is very practical, really. It says, this is a passion translation, but it says it is good that you're enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, which I love that. Um, He says, when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands the word he says, because he's not speaking to people, but to God, he is speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to build them up and to bring them comfort. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, while the one who prophesies builds up the church. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Like, that's the Bible, like, you know, Lister oil says greater gain comes through the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless there's an interpretation, so that it builds up the entire church. So I think this is important for us to lean on to start this conversation of the practical sides of prophetic uh, of the prophetic because I've been a part of you know, uh, non-denominational churches. I was, a—I uh, grew up in the assemblies of God, just so you know, my background and, you know, in, in assemblies of God, we were allowed to speak in tongues, but only on Sunday nights. Um, because, you know, um, we only did it when visitors weren't there and, not only were visitors not there, but it was only my family basically. So uh, Sunday nights, we were allowed to speak in tongues. you know, and, and it's interesting because when we start to talk about prophecy, I think it's hard because a lot of us don't realize how much the enemy has used religion on us to shut us down. Mm-hmm. So we come up with a lot of religious arguments. And so as soon as we start talking about prophecy, you know, a lot of people kind of get freaked out, and we've built entire theologies to actually keep us from having to do it. So we'll say things like, Well, that kind of died off with the apostles, you know, and all these kind of things. And we'll make excuses for why we don't why we don't engage in it. But we'll also, you know, so we'll lean or charismatics will lean really heavily on tongues, and it's almost like a mark of salvation. And we go through all these kind of things. And I know we all come from different denominational backgrounds. But honestly, I love it because Paul here is like, I think he's undoing something when they were all speaking, they're speaking in tongues. I mean, the Bible says that they're all filled with the spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's happening. But then Paul is like, you guys have built this thing up to be like the marker of success. And, and he said, here's the problem is like, while we're building our markers of success. He's like, the body's not getting built up. What's happening is you guys are all using it as a mark of your own advancement. And yeah, that's great. I'm glad that you're spiritually advancing. I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad that it's for your, and it's for an individual building up of your own body. But he's like, I wish that you would all prophesy well uh, this is really interesting because i don't know that any of you have i mean depending on your background have ever been super encouraged in the church to prophesy but, right. but he he basically says all of you can prophesy and so we have to have an understanding before we really get into this prophetic worship thing we have to lean into scripture and into the word of god and realize what Paul's doing here is establishing in this church where they are building hierarchies off of spiritual gifts he's basically saying like, I, I love that. And I love that you have all those spiritual gifts, but are you prophesying? What is prophesying? He's like, here's what prophesying is. Prophesying is encouragement. Mm. And, and, and for me, it's like, it, it seems so much harder than that. Like, you know why? Because when we think of prophecy, I mean, I don't know about you, but prophecy for me was the guy's going to come in and basically call all the sin out in the room. And I just didn't want to look him in the eye. I mean, I was 12 years old, like, oh God, oh no, the prophet's here. Like I, sh- I should not have taken that candy, <laughs> you know? Like, oh my God, he's going to tell my parents I lied to him, you know? And so the whole time prophet's there, I'm miserable. You know, like prophecy was not a great thing for me growing up because every prophet is just going to come in and tell the kids all the things they've done wrong. And, um, I was like, here we go. We're in trouble. And and I think that um, another level is that we all think that we have to call out somebody's phone number. You know, it's like you know, it's like man, and, and there are listen that is real and that that happens. And there is an, a, to me an office of a prophet that um, I know that different people have have functioned in And It's incredible. They could be in. A, I've watched it happen in a stadium of fifty thousand people. And they call out a phone number and an address. You know, and it's like that's powerful. But what happens a lot of times is you feel disqualified because I don't know that I can really do that. I don't really know if I can get that level. Well, here's the thing though, honestly, the prophetic, and this is base level for all of you, like this is your number one thing. All prophecy is, is hearing from God and then, and then, and then speaking out what you hear. And that's hard in the system of our day because we have a tendency to question everything about ourselves. And so what we do is we disqualify ourselves because is that God's voice? Is that my voice? How does God speak to me? I didn't hear a big rumbling voice come out of the, you know, like thunder and speak. And then I speak it. And and a lot of times we undervalue that small voice of God whispering to us saying, I need you to speak this to them now as a prophetic unction we could be like well i'm just trying to be positive just be an encouragement that's where we have to lean back into like what is leading this though okay so jesus in scripture jesus says this this is the very first time he preaches and he stands up and he opens up the scroll that was spoken of in isaiah 61 and and this is important for you to write down because this is Um, Obviously, if this is one of Jesus's like first sermons, you know, then we're going to look at it and go, yeah, this is probably pretty important, you know, for us to know, uh, even for our own uh, guidance, what is, what needs to be said. So go, if you go, I'm sorry, I'm going to it. Isaiah 61. This is what he says. The spirit of the Lord is on me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. Jesus actually stopped at the at the, the point of proclaim freedom to the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. But here's the difference between me just being a nice guy because can somebody who's not spirit-filled and doesn't love the Lord still be a person that encourages people? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's a different thing that happens when the Spirit of the Lord is on you, okay? So when the Spirit of the Lord is on me, okay, and the Spirit of the Lord is in me, which we know is different than Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord would come on them. Now, I think last time we talked about Joel, when it says, this is that which the prophet spoke of, that in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy so there's a there's a willingness here to understand the spirit of the Lord now lives in us. And we could go through all those scriptures. I think you know those. This would be a great study for you to do. Greater is he than that lives in me than he that lives in the world. What is it that the spirit of God now lives inside of us? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Like That should be an awakening for you, okay? So now he lives in me. So now the spirit of the Lord is on me to do something, right? What is it? preach good news of the poor. Does that sound encouraging? Absolutely, does that give me courage? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak, preach good news of the poor, bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. So there's a little bit different thing that happens with the person who's not filled with the spirit of God, that they're gonna speak something and it could be a good thing and it could be encouragement for a minute, but there's something about the spirit of God that this is a different level of encouragement that carries authority. And when there is authority in the room, things start to shift. So when I stand up as a worship leader, my job is to look around the room and recognize the spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. So my job now in the room is to be a discerner of the room and hear what God is speaking to this room. That's why it's hard for us to sometimes understand you know, as, as we get into this, like we're coming up with song lists and things like that. It's like, well, can God can speak to me three weeks ahead of time. What songs he wants me to do. We can be better planners. And then charismatics are like, oh, we don't need to plan anything. Just be led by the spirit. And you're like, oh God, here we go. Like, where are we going people? Where are we going? You know? And it's like, I think God can work through both. I'm looking for the third option. Where are the people who are like, like planned weirdos. You know, I don't just want somebody planned and somebody who's a weirdo. I want the planned weirdos. You know, I want the people who can make a plan and then be adjustable to the spirit of God. Why? Because in the room, it's not just what does God will or what does God want to happen? It's will people let it happen. Okay. So, so yeah, we can make the plan. It is God's will that all men will be saved. Is that going to happen? Scripture says it's not going to happen. Not everyone, he says, but that's his will. It's what he desires to happen, right? So, when he desires something to happen in a room, I'm in there longing to see this happen in the room, okay? So, now on a practical level, when I walk into a room and I see Susie sitting on the front row with four little kids, and I've got my list where I'm like, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And I see Susie really struggling and I feel God say, you need to take a breath for a minute and you need to speak peace over her. You need to speak peace because she's not the only one dealing with this in the room. There's other people dealing with this, but this is what God is highlighting in this moment. So just take a second. You can get back to your list. Take a second. Now be the voice of God. Well, what happened there? You may not think that's prophetic, but what it was was it was hearing, And then it was speaking, it was hearing and then facilitating what is God saying in the room right now. And what it did is it put courage back in Susie to be, to be okay in this moment and me not just sing my songs and get through my service, but I'm in the room and I'm using second Corinthians chapter 10 really as my guide for the prophetic. And it says this, it says for the weapons that we fight with are not of this world, but they are powerful to demolish strongholds arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. I think we talked about that last time. So what I'm doing is I'm looking around the room again and we're moving and we're going, well, we can't move in unity because Bob the truck driver is sitting on the back row and he just got in super late last night. He hates singing. He's really struggling with his finances. And he came in today, barely even made it in the room because he's like, I don't really want to go today. But he walks in the room and he sits in the back and he just looks like a bump on the log. And we get up and he's not going along with our plan. And I'm thinking, Bob, get with the plan, bro. Like get your butt up and get your freaking hands in the air. <laughs> you know, I mean, that I, pastorally now, I would never say, but you know, and, but that's our, isn't that our thing? It's like, I don't even want to look at these people. And and I'm being very, this is very practical. If you are going to be a discerner of the room, you cannot stand on a platform with your eyes closed the entire time because people are your distraction. Mm -hmm. The people are the goal. The spirit of the Lord is on me, not so I feel better about things. The spirit of the Lord isn't on me. So I got goosebumps today when that felt great spirit of the Lord isn't on me. So I can get alone with God in my closet time in front of people like no spirit of the Lord is on me to pick up a sword and cut that head off the enemy. That's whispering into your ear right now, telling me you don't get to worship. You don't deserve it. You know, And, and I'm looking at Susie who's standing there with her kids. And she's, and she's trying to work with her kids and she's trying to like, come on, just stand up for a second. You know, they're flopping on the floor and they're like, you know what? This is my chance to actually let her feel at peace that being a mom is worship. Yes. I remember one time I was in a room and, and um, I was actually on the stage. I was leading worship and my wife had decided she sings with me a lot, but she decided to step off and she's down with our kids. And, um, and she's standing there and she's wrestling with my son and I'm, and I'm up on the stage, like, oh, like, I don't know if you, if you're a parent and you watch your kids down and you're like, I'm the worship pastor here, people. And my kid is like being a big dork down on the front. You're like worship kid. This is like your chance to prove I'm a good parent, you know? And, and, and you're making me look like a bad parent. And, um, and you're looking at him like, and you're playing, you're singing like. Uh, you are good but you're bad get up get up you know and um so and through this like i can feel this wrestle so i went to my pastor and i told him i was like hey next week i i need somebody else to lead worship and i'm going to stand with my wife with and and i need to help with my son uh i want to just i want to encourage him and i want to she is all by herself with three kids you know and so like i i want to come down with her and and so he's like all right so in worship my son you know he's just standing down there and he's just like doing nothing you know and so i get down on my knees with him and i was like hey buddy i was like let's just and he's only you know he's like seven years old or something and he's like he's not doing nothing and and i'm just like hey buddy come on let's just say the word holy let's just say the word holy and then i look up and i realize like he because we sit on the second row like he can't see nothing. All he sees is people backsides. Like I, that doesn't cause me to want to worship. And, um, you know, and, and I'm standing there and I realize, like, okay, this, is. he can't see words. He can't see the people on the platform. So I pulled him out to the side and he, and it was interesting to watch his eyes like start to light up and he's looking around and he's like, Oh, He's like, yeah, I can see the people like, okay, they're worshiping. And so I was like, come on, buddy. I was like, let's lift our hands. And he looked at, and, it, and it was just a simple moment of like, holy. And so I went to my wife and I was like, Hey, I think maybe sometime I said, I know this is hard, obviously with all three of them, but our daughter's a little bit older. I said, maybe get our daughter to take him off to the side and get on, on her knees with him, Or you, you can get on your knees with them over here or sit on the chair beside him and let him see. And she's like, um she's like the hard thing about that is that takes me out of worship out of my mom you know because she's like I'm trying to focus and do this and I told her I said I feel though um when you're when you're down with our kids that is worship to him like he's telling me like right now like you singing a song is helping you, but there's a prophetic unction of you whispering into our son's ear, what God is saying and saying, Hey, say holy. Like that simple, like speak holy. And we don't think of that as prophetic unction, but what it's doing is it's building up the body because I'll never forget a parent coming to me saying, you do not know what it did for me to see your wife get on her knees. This is a few weeks later, get on her knees with with your son and to watch him engage with God. Well, there's a prophetic unction like that happened there. Why is it prophetic? Because there's an encouragement of the body that came from listening to what God is saying and then facilitating in a way that did not feel comfortable right? My job, excuse me, my job is to not be comfortable. My job is to speak what God is doing to look in an unseen realm or hear an unseen realm, and then facilitate that in the very seen realm. Okay. So that's why the prophetic starts to grow, but you have to start it at a very simple level. First, you can't get into this and be like, yeah, God, I mean, you can, but you know, when you're starting to talk about, I mean, I have a guy in, in our group, uh, he's our, he's my drummer. Right. And so I'll never forget. He told me one time, he's like, God's really been speaking to me about how do I hear from him and then speak it. And, and so I said, well, I'm going to give you opportunities to do that anytime in a service, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to look for the moments and the people that the enemy has tried to build walls up. To keep them from the knowledge of god and when that wall comes down it's going to free all of us like there's going to be something that frees all of us so um i know i'm just telling some stories but hopefully these will be encouraging to you so we go into this church in indiana that is an uh an assembly of god church but at one point like a hundred amish uh were meeting in a in a barn secretly worshiping a wind blew in And they all started speaking in tongues, a hundred Amish people. They ended up going to the assembly of God church, asking him, what is this? he tells them and they all leave the Amish and they all start going to this church. When we pull into this big church, there's buggies sitting outside, there's horses tied up. You know, we walk in, to be honest, it's the best um, after service meal I've ever had. But um, when people ask me now, like, Hey, help me understand. What do you feel like our church needs? And I was like, it needs Amish people, your food stunk, you know, And um, but anyways, uh, I digress. So, uh, (laughs) So here we are at this church and and I'm feeling God move and we're actually in a youth service. And a lot of them are still, they're dressed in the Amish garb and all this kind of stuff. And, and we're leading worship and they're great worshipers. And um, and I look out and there's two young girls that I almost feel like God highlights. I don't know what God's saying to them, but he highlights. But I know my, I know my drummer has really been asking God like, give me opportunities to speak. So I stopped everything. And I said, Hey, just for a second, I said, Jeremy, would you come up? And he came up and I said, "Um, I would like you to, to maybe prophesy over a couple people in the room. And he's like, okay. And I was like, how about these two girls? And he leans over and he goes, can I pick who I'm prophesying over? And I was like, no, you have to do these two girls. So he's like, okay. So the girls come up and he's like, actually, it's interesting. I feel like God has the same word for both of you. So he's like why don't you come together so they came together. And and this is how simple it was, right? He goes um and this is in the middle of worship and I know not everybody can do this in the middle of worship it was a, it was a youth service so we could do anything. And um but he's he's standing there and he says um I just feel God saying something simple. I feel he just says whatever happened to you is not your fault. And when When he said that, they collapsed, both of them collapsed the floor and started wailing, like crying. And in the room, like eight or nine other girls fell to the floor and started crying. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to say it again. And he just said the exact same thing. I feel like God is saying whatever happened to you is not your fault. And they are just Weeping. So that moment of worship, we the room just started worshiping again. And we went down and ministered to these girls, had had our wives come in. They're all just sitting with them. Well, come to find out, because of that Amish setting, those all those girls who were actually um wailing, seven or eight girls had been molested by family members. Well, what happens is they're not allowed to talk about it. And because of that, they they have to they carry the burden of weight of maybe i caused that to happen we we're not standing up on a stage in worship thinking these girls are sexually molested by family members we're in a room where god is saying i want to break that off of their lives Now, am I going to be so planned that I can't stop in a moment that was actually created by worship and the atmosphere of heaven? God starts to speak to me. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not even the one that's supposed to bring the word. I'm going to bring my drummer up. Who knew a drummer could hear from God? You know what I mean? And so my my drummer comes up. And my drummer just begins to speak something. It is so easy and so clear. Now, I know a lot of your church settings, it doesn't allow for that, and especially because pastorally, There's some things that you really have to work through, but what I want to encourage you in is that this doesn't always have to happen in a church service. Sometimes God's going to highlight something for you. So I teach my entire band, my entire band stands on that stage. And as we're worshiping, they're looking for the people that they're supposed to sing through every one of my instrumentalists sing. They're not singers. I mean, my drummer singing on the, if you highlight his overhead mics, it sounds like this, that's just what he does. It sounds just very weird, but, um, but he, but what he's doing is he's, he's, he's mouthing the words and he's looking for who in the room do I need to sing through? And, and here's the thing about it. There's an intent to it. And I don't think that we always understand that, that when I have the intent of the spirit, the spirit can do what I cannot do. So in that room, what's happening right now, if I'm going to speak a word of encouragement, maybe even in between a song, we're almost about to to move into another song. And I might just for a second say, Hey, as we go into this, this next song, I just feel like God is saying, whatever weight you're carrying, lay it down. Like just in that moment. Like how simple is that? Well, for us, it's almost like too basic. Like I felt like I needed to do something more, but the truth is there's something that God is wanting to release through you and to come from you that actually seems so simple, but it is, but when empowered by the spirit of God, it breaks chains. And and for you, that's where Prophetic people first have to be a people of his presence. You have to be a people that not just where you're going to enter into his presence, but where his presence has entered into you. Wow. I don't want to be a people who just say, let's, let's go into the house of the Lord. No, the house of the Lord is in me. This is it. The spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart and set the captives free. That's as simple as it is. And I don't need a six, you know, a, a six-point program to tell me that when somebody is hurting, all of you are in the position you're in because you are discerners of people. You are discerners of rooms. And so when I walk in, I walk into an atmosphere, and I'm going to be the person who is going to be the encouragement in the room to make this make sure this room can be unified. And it might be as simple as telling people let all men lift holy hands in the sanctuary. I'm taking his words and I'm releasing his words. But the point of it is, is that when it's spoken, when God speaks it and you feel that unction, trust the unction, trust the spirit of God. And in the room, there's been times where I've stopped and I've said things and I thought that did not hit. Like that was not what I thought it would be. And afterwards, a person came up to me and was like, I was about to commit suicide. And I thought I'm not gonna make it. And I'm just telling you, and I'm not exaggerating this. Somebody came up to me and said, I was, I told God, if if you don't show me something, this is actually at a business meeting that we led worship at. This wasn't in a church service. We've been invited into business settings to lead worship for thousands of people in business settings, half of them aren't even believers. So that's a fun one to lead, right? So in that, I'm 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 leading this thing, and I stop real quick just to tell a story about how my wife and I don't even know why I'm telling it it's actually a kind of a funny story so it's a serious moment in worship we're going deep i think we're just saying um uh, make room you know shake up the ground of all my traditions and half the people in the room have no traditions they're all unbelievers you know so like what am i doing here anyways and And I stop and tell a story of my wife and how she perceives things a certain way. So my wife is a person who uh, speaks phonetically, and I bought her a dog book before we had kids just to try to suffice for a couple of years. And so she was looking at this dog book and she's, she goes, what's a Chihuahua. And I was like, and I look at it and I was like, a Chihuahua. She's like, Oh my God. She's like, why do they not spell it with the W A W A, you know? And, uh, And I was like, it wouldn't be so bad if there wasn't a picture of a chihuahua right under it. You know what I mean? And so I tell that story and I tell how one time we went out for ice cream and you know what a turtle is like the hot fudge and caramel on ice cream and stuff. Well, my wife at this one place, they called it a tortoise. And I asked my wife, I was like, what are you going to get? She's like, I think I'm going to get the tortoise. And I was like, that doesn't sound good. That sounds weird. And she's like, I was like the tortoise and she's like, oh my God, French class. And I was like, okay, you're not allowed to talk anymore. And um, even though it does create great stuff and the, the room is dying laughing, you know? And I, and then I stopped and I said, here's the thing though. I said, she perceives a word in a certain way and she speaks it because of maybe French class or maybe some way that she was raised, but that doesn't necessarily make it right. And I said, some of you have a view of God that was actually training you wrong. And now you think God doesn't care about you and you speak like it. I can tell by the way you speak. I can tell that you're lonely. I can tell that you're an orphan. And, and, and so here I am in a funny moment, you know, and I'm about to lead another song. I don't even know why I'm telling this. My wife's looking at me like, you're such a dork to do this right in the middle of everything. And, um, and so And then afterwards a person comes up to me and says, when you were talking that is the first time in my life I've ever felt like God cared about me. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, I had told God, if you don't show me something this week at a business meeting, he didn't even know about the service that was going to happen Sunday. He said, if you don't show me something this week about who I'm supposed to be, I'm going to kill myself. And, and I know this guy now he's been, he's been with us for several years and it's life changing. Why? Because in a moment, I had to trust that what was a, what was coming out, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I didn't plan it. It wasn't something I planned. But remember, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, hey, you're going to go and stand in front of kings and magistrates. Don't even think about what you're going to say. Just open your mouth and I'll fill it with words. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you did that? Like, when's the last time you you're so prepared, right? So that you walked into the room and in the room, you're just like, Oh, here we go. Like, you know what? I just wanna speak an encouragement over a couple of you. You don't have to do it in a whole church setting, do it with your team. do it with your family when's the last time you did it over a spouse when's the last time you did it over a kid i mean there's something powerful about me looking into my kid and everybody else has been telling them who they're going to be and i'm going to look them in the eye and last night i sat with my i do devotions with my kids separately i do it with all of them different a little bit different and with my 16 year old i sat with them last night and um and there's, there's a great anointing on his life for business, but it probably won't be until his 30s. And he's had several words given to him by people. But I told him, I was like, do you know why it won't be till your 30s? He's like, probably because I'm not prepared. I said, oh, no, you're prepared now. But God wants you to enjoy a journey. Like there's a journey to it that he wants you to have fun with. You know, and he, he starts tearing up. And I realize in that moment, like, this is God speaking to him right now. This isn't just me. I don't even know exactly what I'm going to say to him, but I know that he needs to hear the encouragement of God on this because he's almost a senior and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. So I'm going to practice it with my family. My wife has been battling some, some sickness mold stuff and we've been fighting it and something we've never, she's never been sick a day in her life. But I'm going to walk in the room and I'm not just going to say, hey, you're going to be okay and pray over her. I'm asking God every day, hey, is there something I can drop in her spirit to make sure hope remains, Mm -hmm. right? So this isn't something I'm trying to facilitate in a church service and I'm not facilitating in the moment with my wife, okay? So start at a basic level start making sure every single day when you wake up, here's a very practical thing. When you wake up first thing in the morning, ask God, or you may already have it when you wake up. Every morning, if I don't have a name, I ask God to give me one. As soon as I get that name, I don't know what I'm going to say to him, but I, I put it in my phone as a text and I just start typing. And sometimes it's super short. Like, hey, I just wanted you to know, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you and, uh, and whatever uh, you may be walking through something. I don't even know what you're walking through, but I just felt God say you're getting stronger. He doesn't take weights off when he's trying to make somebody stronger. He usually puts more weights on the bar. You don't get stronger by taking weights off the bar. So this weight isn't to crush you. This weight is to strengthen you. And I sent that out, you know, and then, then I go about my day. The next day I wake up. And the first thing I do, you know why? Cause what I'm doing is I'm training myself to hear God. I'm training myself. Now, most people say, well, you're just, you're just coming up with things to say that that is, listen, if you're going to have the mind of Christ, then this doesn't always have to be, I go into a, tra- well, I don't know that I've ever gone into a trance to get a word. So like I, right now, like what have you done with prophecy in your own mind and heart that's actually kept you from doing it? What keep you from um, abusing it, and in that process of not abusing it, you stop doing it, or you never did, because you thought this is too hard, this is too much. Everybody froze on me. Can y'all hear me? Okay, y'all froze, so I was like, Either everybody is like stunned, like, and this is just a moment of just like. Um, so, but I want to encourage you that um, I think the way the enemy has worked against us is not by making things evil. It tried to come across as I'm trying to do something good by making you fearful of doing something wrong. So a lot of you don't do it because you're afraid you're going to overstep the boundaries of God by trying to be a voice of God. And and here's the thing, like, and this, this goes back into concepts, but from the very beginning in Genesis, and you can study this, but the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and that word hovers means to vibrate. And that vibration is a frequency. All vibrations are frequencies. So the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and then it says he hovered over the dark, the deep dark, he hovered over it, (sighs) this frequency. And then it says that frequency went light and all of a sudden. light form right so he didn't he didn't speak to every aspect of it and try to create a light ball with electricity and wrap something around this and uh, he just spoke light and the sun was formed he didn't speak into how the sun would form he just said light and and light knew what it needed to do. Right? So sometimes it seems like we overcomplicate this thing when all you needed to say was light, because what you have to now realize is, is from the beginning then what he does is he takes Adam and Eve and he goes, okay, from the identity of who you are as a son and daughter, I want you to speak out the names of the animals and that's what they're going to be. You're like, well, I don't even know what an animal is. So you should do that. You know? And he's like, no, you, I want to partner with you. Now, when you speak, that's what it's going to be. So I want to speak this into being. And now I get a partner in creation, right? So now he does this and you start realizing the things that were chaotic when he speaks, it all comes into order. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself now, that same spirit that hovered over the dark deep in the beginning and it went light and it was, now that spirit lives in me. That same spirit, no no different, not a piece of it. You didn't get a pinky version and I got the full version, you know, just because Dustin's 300 pounds, he gets a bigger spirit than you get because you're a littler person, you have a little spirit in you and Dustin has a big spirit in him. Like, no, the exact same thing I'm doing, you can do. The biggest difference is not you have less of the Holy Spirit. The biggest difference is I have lost my boundaries for him. He has no boundaries. I have not limited him anymore. My fears don't limit him. I will speak whatever he says, even if I don't understand it. So the best way to do that is as you're you're digging into this, you cannot fish out of an empty pond. You as a worship leader cannot allow the pastor to be the only one reading the word. You have to know his word you have to dig into the word of God. You have dig into the Old Testament, dig into the New Testament. It's not just the story of Jesus. It's your story too. It's the story of how God longs for his people, always calling his people back. And even through the mistakes and the trials and the problems, he's always listening to the voice of his friends, his prophets, the ones who know him. And they're saying like, don't destroy you know, and it's like, there's somebody to standing in the gap, you know, have you ever been that in your church? You know, like that's my only prophetic voice, my prophetic voice right now. Like, God, these are a stubborn people, (laughs) you know, like don't destroy these people. I love them, but man, they are a pain in the butt, you know, and it's like, that's okay. He's like, that's why I put you there because you are one too. And, and I'm going to now let you, who is a reformed pain in the butt. You know, you are now, I've done something in you. I've molded you in a new way. Now I'm going to release you into this and you're going to see something that is different. How do I know that? Well, I've read the word of God. I've got the word of God in me. So when somebody says like, how do you know what to say? Well, in that moment, like I have the word of God in me. If this doesn't contradict the word of God and what I know about God, then I'm going to speak it out. And you know, and and every prophecy can be confirmed by one or two people. I I don't do it privately um almost ever. I always invite somebody else into that process. I always ask people, how is this? How does this uh, is this a confirmation to you? Is this something you've never heard before? And um, and I almost always back it up with what God is giving me as a scripture to tie it into to, to release that, you know. So what I know of prophecy is that. Um, my job is to train my ear. My job is to, is to, you know, the very first question God always asks the prophets is, What do you see? But you don't know he's asking the question unless you can hear. Okay. So my job is to train my ear and to tune my ear. The way to think about that is think about it like a radio station. Okay. This is why this is. And, um, I kind of hate talking about this sometimes because it can become very legalistic for people, but I I feel like God keeps me on a very tight leash, if that makes any sense. And that some people might hate that, um, or keeps me very much, some things that other people can get away with and do, for for me is something I'll never participate in, you know? Um, And part of that, the reason is, is probably because I'm an all-in guy, And so God wants to make sure that I'm all in with him. And so the things that he asks me to narrow my life in, because he does ask me to narrow my life is always to keep me hearing him because if I can hear him, I can speak him. Make sense. So as a radio station, a lot of, you know, radio stations work when you're going through the dials, pushing a dial or turning a dial. um, You can hear static in between, right? And then I hit a frequency and, and an entire band comes out right? So there's something that is carried on the frequencies that are invisible. Well, God's voice is the exact same way, okay? So he's always speaking. The way to hear his voice is to tune your ear to his voice. So how do we tune our ear? Well, I tune my ear by what I spend the most time on. So if I'm listening to the news all the time, and I'm, I'm just telling you, if I'm listening and it, And you have to really check yourself on this. This is not a legalist talk of do away with all things of the world. Right. But one of the first things the Lord told me when I moved to Nashville is I need you to stop looking at the news. And I was like, why? Why?" Like, and I felt the Lord say, I said, well, I said, if I'm supposed to be a leader, how am I going to lead? If I don't know what's going on in the world. And I felt God say, people will tell you, like people will tell you what's going on and I was like, yeah, but people are opinionated wrong. And I felt the Lord say, what do you think the news is? What do you what do you think you think that they're in this to report great things to you? or do you think they're always trying to grab your attention to tune you in to what they need you to think? Mm. Right? This isn't a conspiracy theory thing. This is a humanity thing. okay? Mm. This is what all of us do, right? So I know whoever has your ear has your voice. I also know whoever has your ear has your heart. Okay? So out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A lot of you speak fear because you're so aware of what's going on in the world, but you're not aware of what Scripture says about it. Actually, Jesus says this. In the last days, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be hard times. And he says, do not worry. The end has not yet come. He says the end will come when this gospel of the kingdom is preached around the world. What the the gospel of the good news doesn't feel like, how is good news going to happen in the midst of wars and rumors of wars and tornadoes and climate change and all that? Yeah. Because you have been flooded with information that you are never meant to be dictated by. And the word of God has become a backseat rider in your car and somebody else is telling you where to turn. And you have to be a people who turn off the noise of other things. Social media is one of the most, and I have social media. I get it. I very rarely, you can look last post I did was in December, but um, there's, it's very, very clear to me that the enemy is using something that we can use for good, but he's using it to drive your fears of not living up to what this world says success is. So this is very practical. This is very much to tune your ear. You cannot stay on two stations at one time. You're going to have to make a decision in your own lives. If you want to be a prophetic voice of God, this isn't just speaking out things. This is about hearing the things to speak. Jesus did not go around just doing things. He said, I only do what I see my father do. So if you want to be a prophetic voice, then you cannot just try to speak things out. You have to tune other things out. So I tune into his voice. So my life is is dictated and moved by prayer, by worship, and by the word. 100%. That does not mean I never see the news, does not mean I never read an article, does not mean I never get on social media, but I'm telling you, it is such a small percentage of what I do. And if I feel a check from any of them, the minute that I feel like it might start putting fear in me, that thing's gone. That thing is gone because I am not going to be moved or dictated. Does that mean I don't care about the war in Ukraine and all these kinds of things? Absolutely not. Like that's where my prayer life is. How do I help our people who may not have tuned to the voice of God, you know? So I'm going to lead them through this, but I cannot do it by the bombardment of everyone else's opinions. I have people that I trust in my life. I have people that are very aware in my life. Um, and so, what I'm going to do is tune myself. So I just need you to know today, like God is wanting to release a roar from you, but it's not a roar that you can't hear first. It'll be encouragement to you before it'll be encouragement to someone else. So there's a roar being released through the earth and it will be the voice of his church. And so the last thing I would say is like, that's why I encourage all of you, even if you say, Oh, well, I'm not really a songwriter. I would encourage you to write things down and hand it to the people who are and, and start getting them. You will get the best songs for your churches and congregations. If you will tune out other voices and spend even 90 days, just do 90 days You know, I have a friend right now who's actually, I'm probably going to take it on in June, but he's doing something that, which I love of, of Obed-Edom where, uh, when Obed-Edom had 90 days of, of the Ark of Covenant at his property, and it was completely blessed and everything else went to the side. This is it, you know? And so like spend 90 days and see how much better your life is if you will focus in for 90 days again this isn't a legalism thing but tuning your voice and here's the thing what is going to shift the nations is going to be the voice of the church there is going to be a roar that is going to arise out of ukraine like i mean i'm just telling you right now there are churches in ukraine that are staying the course in the middle of persecution lifting up their voice and while others might look at it and just say well they're just singing songs or they're just doing There is a declaration that is going out that is shifting atmospheres and where where people are going to know who God is. The good news of the kingdom of God is going to be released on the earth and it's going to be released through the church. To do that, you're going to have to be a leader and a person that makes sure that it's coming from you first. So to be a voice, I have to hear the voice. To hear the voice, I have to tune the other voices out and realize his voice is speaking. And why is it that Jenny can hear it so clearly? Why is it that other people I know can hear it so clearly? Because, not because there's, we're such great people or we're so much better than you at hearing God, it's because I have silenced other voices. Now his voice is so much more clear. So when I'm in a church service, I'm not hearing the roar of, oh, these people aren't raising their hands. Oh, these people are so frustrating. No, I'm hearing the voice of God say, like, tear down that wall and they'll see me and they'll worship. You'll never even have to convince them to ever worship again because they'll see me. And when they see me, they'll release something to me, you know? And so my job in this is just constantly be moving in that direction, tearing down walls you know, removing arguments, strongholds, all those kind of things. And, and then listening, what is God saying? I want to tune in just like a radio. God is speaking in the room even right now to every single one of you. And I think the cool thing is here and I'll end with this. When, when the spirit of God is released in the book of acts and they're all speaking in tongues, the Bible says that every man heard it in their own language. So is the miracle speaking in tongues or is the miracle in the hearing? So, sometimes you're going to say something that seems like gibberish in a way. And the way that the the Spirit of God empowers them to hear it will be the important thing. So, as I've been speaking today, probably every single one of you have had some um, trigger of fire happen in you at a different point, but all of you could have it at a different point and you missed other things, but that's okay. Because what was happening is you were tuning your ear into God. And something triggered you. And he, God goes, that's what I need you to do. That what he just said, that's you. That is you, you, you. Be that, do that. Listen to it. Speak it. Don't be led by fears, but be led by the voice of God. I just hit noon. My timer just went off.
1: Wow. Could you guys feel the anointing level going up? Just that last eight minutes? Jeez. Jeez, we could have an we could have an altar call right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we close off here, um, and if someone has a thought, but before we say anything, Dustin, um, I can remember years ago, I don't know if you know a pastor named Len Zodeman. Um, he's a prophetic voice in Canada. He was my pastor for years in Calgary one who really trained me in the, he probably had the most influence in training me in the prophetic. Um, But there was one day that he grabbed hold of me. I was a teenager. And he said, I've never done this for anybody before. He said, but I'm going to release my anointing in you. And that might sound weird to some of you. He said, I've never done this before. He said, I might not ever do this again. And um, I can remember being so young. And, um, understanding the moment, but not really understanding the moment. And you guys have probably anyone who's hung around me for any time. You've heard me say this before we teach what we know, but we impart who we are Yeah. and you can't hang around. Um, and I don't want to put Dustin on a pedestal and he wouldn't want me to either. Um, Cause he really walks in a spirit of humility, but there's an anointing on Dustin's life in this area um, that has fire to it. And, um, not asking you to release your anointing into people. It's not what I'm asking you to do. But I know that something happens though, when people with this kind of grace and anointing on their life pray over us, that there's an impartation, that everything we heard, there's a lot of teaching in here, like a lot. Like I could post probably 50 little nuggets on Wilco videos. Um, just by things that he says. Like there's just so much. It's like you just can't keep up. You can't keep up because he's just so full. Um, but I believe that a lot is also gonna transpire through the area of prayer of Dustin, just praying over us. Because here's the thing, you guys. Um, we don't want to just we don't want to just hand we don't want to just hand out fish to our worship teams. We don't want to just hand out fish to our churches. We need to teach people to fish, you know. So what I'm saying is is that we want to help cultivate and spark that fire of encouragement that prophetic those prophetic unctions you know so dustin imparts into us and then today we're able to now impart that into others and that's how multiplication you know begins to take place and you know in a fire and he's talking about you know the you know the church rising up the church's voice you know i believe that today is one of those Um, I can say for my life, I wasn't expecting this to be so like, I knew it was going to be good, but this has just been really good, you know? And I just feel like for me personally, and I'm just speaking for myself here, that today is um, a holy moment. And with 15 of us just on this Zoom chat, um, that um, I know that I'll never be the same. And I'm trying to hold back the tears right now, but I just really feel the presence of God so strong. And um, like the song says, when you walk, when he walks into the room, everything changes. And um, if we could just, you know, we don't have to over-spiritualize this moment and I'm putting Dustin on the spot, but I know that he'll be okay with that. Um, cause I think he senses it too, but just that there's just holy moments. So I'm just going to lift my hands just out of an act of surrender. And cause I don't want to leave today without getting everything that God has, you know, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's everything in between. Um, but surely the Lord is in this place and I just pray that we're aware of it.
2: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Can I speak just two things real quick? I want to speak over Sharon. Hey Sharon, uh, I feel like God's just been pointing you out to me this whole time. And I feel like there's a level of joy that's going to come to you that might have been stolen from you and maybe situations and things. I don't know what it is, but just there's like a joy. And I feel like this next, I feel like you've, you've been a warrior for God. You fought in the way that you were supposed to. And I feel like sometimes in that warring stuff, it can get exhausting, you know, but um, something the Lord spoke to me years ago that I feel for you is that um, this next season of warfare, joy will be your weapon and thanks will be your battle cry and there's going to be something returned to you that was taken from you and almost made you feel guilty for having joy, you know, and, but I think that you bring it to others. And I think now you're going to get it to experience it yourself. And I think you're a person who brings joy to other people. And I think that God's going to release that to you in a greater way because of your faithfulness when you didn't feel it to give it to other people, even though you were like, I wouldn't mind some of that myself. And, um, but I think that, uh, I'm grateful for the gift of that inside of you, and I think you carry just a sweetness about you and a life about you that other people need to experience. And so, when the enemy tries to tell you you're done or you're not going to make it, or you're not going to do it, uh, I just silence the voice of that enemy, and I just call that out of you and just say, don't don't be afraid. And it may seem so simple, um, especially to some younger people who are actually longing for somebody to speak into their lives. Um, I think younger people are more open right now to mothers and fathers than they've ever been, uh, in my, at least in, in my experience. And, um, I just release you into that and just want you to experience that joy yourself. So we release that to you and just ask God just to pour that out on you for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I just release that to you. And then I wanted to speak over Jess. I don't know you at all, Jess, but is it Jess? No. Yeah. So, um, So just, we, I bought a 200 year old property here, you know, and it's a civil war property. And there's a story outside of this old house. And it is a story of the the girl at the time was 17 years old. They were down in the the, um, cellar and they were hiding. The battle of Thompson station happened on our property and 1400 men died on this property. Well, the family was hiding in the cellar And this girl, Alice Thompson was looking out the window and she saw the flag bearer get shot and she took off running and grabbed that flag and led the charge. And, um, the general actually came to the house and kicked the door open and yelled at a bunch of soldiers who were standing inside hiding and said, gentlemen, a woman has your flag. (laughs) And, um, I want to encourage you to pick up the flag don't wait for permission um i would say that sometimes maybe what's been been offered to you has been something that um men maybe just didn't want to do and sometimes in our culture it's been abused and i want to release you to actually lead the charge and there are going to be men that are going to line up to follow some of the things you're doing and you're going to speak with authority and there's going to be an anointing that's going to come on you that you don't have to act out of fear and you don't actually have to act out of any kind of expectation of what has been or what will be you get to just be you like i release you to be you god made you exactly how you are and who you are and that is powerful and you don't have to become somebody else the anointings and giftings god has placed in your life are are honestly, like you don't have to add anything to it to be powerful. You just have to be obedient to the spirit of God to speak when he says to speak. And I think you already do that. I think you already do that to an extent. And so I wanted to just increase that in your life and just say like, what you're doing is right. Don't be afraid to step out and don't let the barriers that other people have created because of their own fears make a, be a fear for you. I just release that to you and and sometimes obviously under spiritual coverings and different things it can be different and can can be hard at times but i think god's going to give you when in the book of acts when they were picking um they you know started adding a bunch of people to this and they said gather everyone and we need to pick people who are honorable full of the spirit and full of wisdom and that's who you are you are a person who is honorable Full of a spirit and full of wisdom. And because of that, you can be released because even though there's a spiritual covering that sometimes you might bump up against, you will always do it with honor. And you'll always do it with wisdom, which a lot of people lack. So I just wanna encourage you in that and release you to that. And so um, does that connect with you at all? Do you feel like, good, good. Well, I just encourage you in that. And we could do that for everybody. There's so many things on this, but. Um, I think that this is, I just want to release to you, honestly, vision to see the gold in people. Our job is not to call, call out the problems. Our goal is to actually call out the solutions. Our goal is to actually call out the gold. People already know their problems. They've they've lost the gold buried under the problems. So we, we remove that. We're like, oh my goodness, there's gold there. Like God has put gold in you, you know? So I prophesy over you that you are going to see the gold. And when you call it out, there's such a spiritual unction and authority that you carry, that it comes alive in people. And it will be such an awakening that people will feel like they just came back from the dead. This is going to be something that God is going to awaken in you, make alive in you. So I speak the breath of God into you. I ask that ears would be wide. Open. I ask God that every voice that tries to bring a different tuning to their ear, I ask that it would be silenced and it would be broken off. And I release them into hearing your voice and tuning into your voice and be released into this. No more fear. Everyone should prophesy. Everyone should be encouraged to build up the body. And I release that to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Glory. Amen. Dustin, thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, guys, I think that was more than what you were expecting, was it? <laughs> it was more than what we could have hoped for and asked for. Um, God bless you, Dustin, truly humbled by today. This was like Zoom on fire <laughs> to the next level. It was like we were all in the room together and we are, but you guys know what I'm talking about, like actually physically in the room and we will have events in the days ahead because Canada's unlocking now, we're able to like go places now and do things. But we will have events in the days ahead and what kind of separates Wilco maybe from other stuff is not being afraid to step out in these prophetic moments and, uh, you know, have encounters with the Lord like this. So, Dotson, God bless you. I know you're a busy man. So God bless your family and uh, we appreciate you. We'll be in touch. Everyone say goodbye.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you felt encouraged and a little more equipped for the journey you're on this season. If you're interested in weekly mentorship in a small group setting or would like to find more worship resources, check it all out at worshipleaderscollective.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Connect, encourage, and equip. This is what we're all about at Wilco. We go together, not alone. Together, we can help move church forward.